Today's word was preached by Presbyter Tiago. May the Holy Spirit open up your eyes, ears, hearts and minds to receive God's word. God bless you. Amen. Well done, guys. Well done. That's, um, have a look around. Turn your head. Have a look around. Come on. Come on. Okay. Well done, Fabricio and Edson. You know, they, they work with painting. They came uh, the other day and just um, gave us a makeup. And, you know, great job. Talk about ministerial gifts. Talk about gifts. Talk about being used by God. Talk about using your gifts to the Lord. This is what I'm talking about. Okay? There's so much nonsense and so much non understanding of what it is to use your gifts to the Lord. It's right there. This is what it is. Um, so, um, you got new lights, you got new painting, you got you know, a new layout, things like that. So, you will be seeing things changing uh, as, as you go. And that's where your money goes. That's where your donation goes. That's where your sacrifice goes. Um, and, and it will go beyond. Believe me. Believe the Lord. He's sending you, not only me, He's sending you to do this mission, to do this great commission. Some will go to Christchurch. Some will implant ch churches in other places. But believe you me, we are part of all this. We are in the family of God. You were called for this thing. We were called for that. And that is why Abraham, you and me, have a lot in common. That is why Abraham, you and me, have something to, uh, to share with one another. And that's why we're going to engage this subject today. I um I just look around and I see things just being just popping up, you know, just really appearing and 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 and, and the message and and um, and the gifts and the things like you have no idea if if you if you have uh, some time in the end of the service, go at the back there and have a look on the uh, children's ministry. Um, they have uh, the um, the lessons they are going through this year, 2021. I've already spoken about this. But your children, they are learning about salvation today. I don't remember seeing anywhere else children learning about salvation. So they are learning this trimester only about salvation. This is what they're going to hear for the next three months. And, um, and don't be surprised if they say, Mommy and Daddy, I believe in Jesus. What do I have to do? I heard about baptism. How, how can I be baptized? And these are small children. We don't baptize babies here. But we can baptize children if they understand what they're doing. So just don't get surprised. And that's the sort of thing that the Lord is doing. It. You see, this is your church. This is yours. All this here, this, all this beautiful, this is yours to the Lord. Be comfortable. Okay? I'm sorry we haven't had the, the heater uh, fixed yet. It's been a drama. <laughs> but we have a, a turbine at the back there just working. <laughs> we will find a way. The Lord always, always provides. But um, Abraham, you and me, okay, uh, Obviously, uh, Abraham is the father of faith, right? This guy, there's nothing really uh, much that we can say about Abraham that we already don't know. It's really Abraham is the, is the peak of all this. He's the, uh, uh, the, the start of, 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 of pretty much the, the faith that we, uh, that we hold dear. You know, he was the first Hebrew. He was the first one to really show uh, this relationship with, with God. Obviously, we have others that come before him, Noah and Enoch and, and so on. But uh, Abraham is really the guy There is um, post-flood that makes this faith that you today hold dear uh, uh, to, to, to appear. He was the one who propagated that. Um, and um, I want to explore a few things about Abraham today that is very, very common um, between us all. 
And uh, obviously, you already know by the title of this mes message that we're going to be talking about the spirit and flesh. But um, try to follow on the screen there because there will be a lot of information. And as you go through, uh, I want you to um, really qu start questioning yourself of the things that you're going to be watching on screen and things that I'll say. Just keep asking you yourself questions. Maybe ask the Lord some questions. And um, just meditate over all um, this that you're going to hear here. Okay? So before we go into that, just have a word of prayer as you are. Father, we thank you as we can come before you with thanksgiving heart. And we are uh, eager to learn from you and to hear from the message of the Lord from the Bible. Lord, we want to hear uh, and learn how to walk with you like Abraham did and others. Uh, Lord, and uh, you have called us, just like you called Abraham, you have called us uh, to, to be even um, closer to you. We are your body today. We are uh, from your family, not only friends of God like Abraham was, but we are now sons of God. We are from the, this family made um, by the blood of Jesus in that cross. So thank you so much, Lord. Speak to us. May your Holy Spirit uh, minister your word to him, uh, to us. And uh, we learn this, uh, and, and we learn how to pass this to others in our great commission. Lord, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. To give a prospect, okay, I always like to give you a prospect where you are in time. This is what teaches you to understand intellectually where you are. So if you see on the screen there, uh, you will see more or less where Abraham stands in time. Now, this guy is very old. You know, this is ancient stuff. This is many years before Christ and, um, and, um, and many years after crea the creation. So uh, he already has a lot of knowledge um, and he will experience things that um, people prior to him taught him. So he, you know, that was the time people would live 700 years. Can you believe that? 900 years, 800 years, 400 years. It is in Abraham's time that this um, ages start to, to fade away a little bit and they start to uh, die a bit younger, maybe 120 years, 150 years, and 100 years, and 70 years, and so on, just to get to where we are today. But this is uh, right um, probably after um, uh, the flood, um, and in 450 years before the um, uh, Egypt, okay, the Exodus. So Abraham is right there, very ancient. The Middle East is just, you know, uh, a, a place full of tribes. There's no really many countries there. There's only a, a bunch of tribes, and there's no many resources there. They are, they are, they are just starting their boundaries. This is where my land is. This is where my land is. So they're just starting this thing. Okay, there's, uh, there's no countries, there's no uh, Assyria, and there's no, uh, probably the start of the first empire uh, with Assyria and so on. But th that's how old this thing is. But the message of Abraham to you and to me today, it is not very different. Okay, it is, we are pretty much in the same time frame uh, in, in regards to what we need to learn and what we need to approach but it is an old story, but the problems, the issues, the things that we have to face are still the same. And we are dumb. We are so hard-head people that we forget that it is the same problem that Adam suffered. It is the same uh, issues that uh, Eve went through, Abel, Cain, Seth, all this, Noah. Is, we are in the same sort of bag. And we need to understand where, uh, how to um, uh, pop it out. Just really to, how to escape of all this. Um, and how to deal with this issue of spirit and flesh. So we're going to uh, engage a little bit more. And no better uh, person than Abraham to, to speak about uh, spirit, you know, and, and, pro and probably about, about flesh. Okay, so Abraham here, he is venerated by three of the biggest religions in the world, okay? This guy here is well um, recognized by Judaism, obviously Islam and Christianity. Now this guy is well venerated and he's loved by those three uh, uh, religions, okay? And uh, one of the most important promises given in the Bible was given to him. And I'm not sure if you know this, 
I'm certain that I've spoken about this before, but I want to show you something interesting about Abraham. God told him that all families on the earth will be blessed because of him. This is in Genesis 12, verse 3. Get this one. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, if your family today is blessed, it's because of Abraham. Can you believe that? All families will be blessed because of you. So, the Lord had something with Abraham, but already having you in mind. As the Lord is dealing with Abraham in his life, the Lord has Abraham in his mind, but he also has you in his mind. He knows that in 2021, we will be here. He knows that in 2021, we would be taking Abraham's life as an example to talk about things that are very, very real to Abraham, but also very, very real to us. And even though he failed and succeeded many times, just like you and me, he had promises, he had opportunities, and uh, Abraham, you know, I, you know, there's so much that we can really talk about him, but he failed and succeeded many, many times, just like you and me. Okay? And I want to show you some of those things. All right? So, in Abraham's personal life, you will see a struggle between the spirit and the flesh. Just like you and me, you struggle between our spirit and our flesh. And in the end of this session, uh, I, I hope that we all here will have a better understanding between those two. Spirit and flesh. Because this is what we are made of. If you are a Christian... You are made out of the spirit, but you're still flesh. If you're not a Christian, you have bigger problems, right? So we'll, we'll sort this out after with the Lord's Supper. But in Genesis 12, if you want to follow on the screen or if you want to open up the back of Bible, verse 10 and verse 13, um, we will um, we'll, we'll start see, uh, checking a few personal issues of, uh, of Abraham. And this is the start of his journey. God calls him in chapter 12. Out of nowhere, God chooses Abraham and calls him out. And then Abraham goes out and something, verse 10 starts. There was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was came near to enter in Egypt. That he said unto Sarai his wife. Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that, art my, that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Now Sarah must be a beautiful wife. That's a beautiful girl, maybe. Because if he's so afraid... Of something happens with the, in Egypt, she was probably a beautiful girl. So he said, hey, tell them when we are in Egypt that you are my sister. Now, was Abraham lying? Was he? No? Yes? Was he lying? No, he wasn't lying. He told the truth. She was his sister. Sarah was... His half-sister, one of the youngsters of, uh, young daughters of uh, his father, Terah. From another uh, um, uh, wife, obviously. But he marries Sarah, and apparently she's very beautiful, and he's afraid that he, they will take her for wife, and he will, they will kill him. Um, but he finds a way not to lie, to tell the truth, but to help God out. Now, this here, here is already called to come out. And probably, um, from what I've, what I've uh, gone through on my studies, he didn't, he didn't leave his father's house until after 30 years of his calling. So, God called him. He goes up river and stays with his father until Terah dies. And then he goes out. And that's where this happens. You can find it in Acts chapter 8, I think. Or seven, after chapter uh, Acts seven, that we'll talk a bit more about that. 
interesting that you learn things of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Um, so he wasn't lying, okay? But was he how the Lord wanted Abraham to act? No, right? He, the Lord didn't want him to help out. Just go ahead, tell the truth, and believe me. But th this is exactly what we do. We are just trying to make things up to, to make it easier, okay? So Abraham here is in the start of his journey with the Lord. And he will, after here, he will experience many other things that will bring him to become the father of faith that you know. But why would, you, would Abraham take such a wrong turn? What would you do? What would make him lie but not lie, you know? Be afraid or, but not be afraid. You know, what happened here? So if you see the text, it says there was a famine, all right? And then he had to, because of tribulation, go and find somewhere with food. There's always a hard time that can mess with us. There's always a hard time that, may, that can make us do something wrong. Or at least make us take a decision that we shouldn't be taking. The Lord has called him to go, and I will show you where to go. <laughs> he didn't like, wait. He just he experienced the famine. He decided to go. The New Testament teaches us that we should, before do all this, before take the decision, pray, before take, you know, uh, the, the position of, oh, I'll go there, and I'll, I will make business there, and I'll do this. Rather, you should pray and ask the Lord what he wants to do. So that's his will, not your will. So here, again, because of some hard time, he is pushed to do something, and he tries to help out. He doesn't lie, but he tells a half-truth. And that makes a problem, obviously, because if you don't know the story, Abraham here put the Egyptian pharaoh in a bad spot because he obviously what Abraham thought that would happen, it did happen. Sarah was taken. And because they said that she was the, uh, a sister, not a wife, Pharaoh just did whatever he wanted and took her. But the Lord plagues Pharaoh and all the land because of that. So that's how close Abraham and the deal with the Lord was. And Pharaoh, in the end of the chapter, comes to him and says, Why didn't you say that? Why, didn't, why did you lie? Why, you know, why did you make something up like this? But now I have a plague in my head, you know, in my back because of you. You should have said this, you know, Abraham, the man of God, is learning with the heathen. <laughs> Abraham, the man of God, is being put in a spot by Pharaoh, who believed in whatever he believed. But the key here is the hard times will push us to do things that we shouldn't do. And that's exactly what the scripture shows us when Peter denies the Lord. You see, Peter is all puffed up and say, Lord, we're going to fight. Lord, we're going we're gonna to cut the, the soldiers here. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to let you be arrested. So what's the first thing that happens with Peter when Jesus is arrested? He denies the Lord. So if you know a little bit of Peter, you know that he will be the first one to jump out of the boat. But here, because of a hard time, the first thing he does is to deny in the Lord. Quite a contrary, isn't it? John Mark, I don't know if you know this story, but Paul is in his journey, and because they're going to places where it's quite um, um, hard, and, and there's tribulation there, there's people who wanted to kill Paul, John Mark goes back to Jerusalem and abandons Paul there. And that is why Paul and Barnabas have a fight, well, a, a fiery discussion. That's, I think that's how the, the Bible puts it. But why did John Mark leave? Because there were tribulation ahead. There was things there that he didn't want to face. So he takes a decision and takes a wrong turn. And again, uh, he misinterprets what the Lord had for his life. Thank God we see John Mark and Paul well later in life. We know that this here, uh, Paul didn't want to take him in another journey because he abandoned. Uh, but later on, John Mark probably lived a life with God and learn his way. And then Paul recognizes that bring John with you because he's good.
good to have clothes. So, he, you know, many years in the future, this John Mark understands. But again, because of tribulation, he took a wrong turn. And because of flesh, James and John, now here are, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about James, the one you, you read in your Bible. And um, this is James, the brother of John the Apostle, the son of, sons of thunder. Now, here they suggest to bring fire down over the Samaritan village that didn't welcome them. You'll find this in Luke 9. Now, they are going to Jerusalem. They are going by a village that didn't welcome Jesus there. And then James and John, do you want to just, Lord, do you want to fire them up and kill them all? And then Jesus said, what are you talking about? You know, you misinterpret why I'm here. I'm not here to, to bring death. I'm here to bring life. So because of tribulation, because of adversities, we take wrong turns. And even the father of faith will take a wrong turn, telling a lie, telling, you know, and creating a situation that didn't have to create it. And because of that, we go to a next step where you will find Hagar and Sarah, you know, the, 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 so to say the wives of Abraham. Now, Hagar was the concubine or, or the main servant. Now, probably, I, I can't say this is biblical, but we imagine that Hagar was an Egyptian woman that he picked up on the way, leaving Egypt. So when Pharaoh tell, said, oh yeah, he found out, it's your wife, take Sarah away, I don't want her here. The Lord is plaguing us, take some sheep and some oaks and some, some goods, take it, take, take it with you. So Pharaoh kind of uh, sends Abraham away with, with some... Um, with some goods. And amongst that, we read their maid servants were given to Abraham also. So we believe Hagar, he picked up on the way. So he is now with a maid servant that he got in Egypt out of all that confusion. And then you have this issue in chapter 16 between Hagar and Sarah. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar and Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram, and had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into uh, he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Obviously, Sarah didn't like it. So here, because of confusion, because something that they did in the past in chapter twelve, they come to chapter sixteen with a another occasion to um, to help the Lord. Now, get this: this is not a wrong thing here that we are watching when they back then that would be a, a, a normal thing to do the maidservant would be given uh, so uh, that the next generation could be passed on because the wife wouldn't bear son that's normal that was normal and uh, you can see here that the husband Abram to be his wife so they had this relationship that was okay then but that's not the point the point here is that Sarah here she deducts that the Lord closes her womb, restrains her to have a children, to have children. And then she takes matters on her own hands and creates another situation that in the future will be a problem. Again, we our flesh will be trying to help something that is out of our control. That the Lord is just saying, get out of your land and go to the place I will show you. The Lord just wanted obedience and the Lord just wanted to have a little bit of patience. But we are too quick to act, isn't it? We are too quick to respond. Obviously, I'm just being too hard on them here. They're waiting many years to have children. They don't have it. You know, they are, they are going through. It was a hard time. Imagine how they would live with the tents and, 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 and the sort of arid place that they had. It's not an easy place to be and it's not a... Uh, an easy situation to be. But the point is, I'm tired to wait. I'm tired. The Lord has closed me. The Lord has done this to me. So what do I do? I will help out. 
I'll give you Hagar. Well, let's read Galatians 4, 21 and 26 and see how the Lord puts allegorically Sarah and Hagar. Get this. Paul tells the Galatians, Tell me ye the desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abram had two sons, the one by a bone maid and the other by a free woman. But he who was the bone woman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was, of, was by promise. Which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai which gathers the, to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And answers to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. The Lord here is just allegorically using this idea that Hagar represents not what the Lord has to the people. And Sarah represents what the Lord has to the people. What the Lord wanted Abraham to have was a miraculous birth of Isaac, just like it happened afterwards, and have his people through that line. But Sarah wanted to speed things up, and Sarah wanted to take matters on her own hands. The flesh was too strong and too pushy. And that's exactly what we do. We are trying to fulfill the commandments here. We are trying to live by the Sermon on the Mount. We are trying to still take the law under our arms and try to fulfill the book. Follow the law. It's exactly here what Paul is trying to say. Look, this is Hagar. This is what the Lord doesn't have for you. This is bondage. If you follow Hagar, if you give yourself to the law, this is bondage. What I have for you is a promise. What I have for you is a Jerusalem from above. What I have for you is the spirit and not the flesh. So that's exactly what Sarah and Hagar represent in this whole story. Flesh and his spirit. And it's exactly where you and I come in. Because we are trying sometimes to fulfill a law, a rule, a something that Jesus said, No, nah, look. What I have for you is liberty. Just like Denny read in the beginning, this is liberty. But you use this by the spirit, not by the flesh. You are still flesh. You are still spirit. But may your natural man be down and your spiritual man be up. Amen? And then, out of all this mess that Sarah creates and Abraham condensed, it says uh, there's Ishmael and Isaac, okay? And yet, another family drama, okay? This is here what that chapter 12 caused in the life of Abraham. Decisions after decisions. But in between this, amongst all this, is Abraham learning with the Lord, growing with the Lord, conquering places, con you know, really uh, exploring the faith and learning how to be a man of faith. So he gets to a point where he does get there. But in the midst of this, his flesh is just working on. And what he uh, planted in the past, he will be harvesting in the future. You believe me this? If you plant bad, you will harvest bad. And that is why there is this thing of you giving years to your spirit and not to your flesh. We will learn more about justification and sanctification as we finish this thing here. But the Lord has called us to go in a road of sanctification. If you are justified, you were called to be sanctified. Okay, so I'm just going to explore a little bit more. But let me finish with Ishmael and Isaac. J uh, chapter 16, 1 to 4. Uh, here. She said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the miracle happens. And the, and the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Now he's about 14 years old now, okay? And he's mocking. The baby. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, 
Abraham, cast out this bone woman and her son. For the son of this bone woman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the, th and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Abraham got sad. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bone woman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, 14 years later, after he, he's having, a, he's had a Ishmael, Isaac miraculously pops out. Now, she is 90 plus. Imagine your grandmother or your great-grandmother having a child now. That's what happened here. Isaac is born. Ishmael is 14 years old. He's mocking because now he's not feeding on, in the breast anymore. Abraham makes a party and he's just like mocking somehow. He's not happy, you know, because he knows he is the son of the bond servant. He is not the son of the promise. They know this in the family. They know that Isaac is the promised child. They know that Isaac is the one. And then Sarah says, kick them out. We don't need them. You will see that the Lord, he agrees with Sarah. This is what needs to be done. Hear her. And don't worry about the boy. Later on, we're going to read that the boy will be looked after by God in, 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 in the matter also. But what the plan of God here was greater than what Abraham's flesh had uh, to, to perform. And greater than what Sarah's flesh had to perform. There was a spiritual motivation in planning that um, uh, took the Lord to do what he did. Later on, now Isaac is a grown man, I I, 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 we suspect. Now some, people, some people say that he's, he's a child here. He's going up to the, uh, to the mount to be sacrificed, the Lord calls. We believe that he went willingly. He's a, probably a 30 years old here. And said, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, get this, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Out of nowhere, the Lord tell Abraham to go and kill his son, his only son. Now, Ishmael is history now, okay? Ishmael is somewhere else with, with Hagar. He's probably married to the Egyptian woman, and he's having his own life. But now Isaac is the son of promise. Isaac is the son of the Spirit. And now um, he says, take your only son. As far as God is concerned, the only son of Isaac, Abraham had only one son, Isaac. Take him, the one you love, by the way, here is the first time the word love appears in the Old Testament. When the father is ready to give his son. And it's the same thing that happens in the New Testament. When, Jesus did, when God says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begot, begotten son. That is the first time the word love appears in the New Testament. When the father is giving his son willingly to you and to me. So here there's a lot of spiritual motivations around this here. Where Isaac now is the son of the spirit. Now you and me, we are the son of faith. Follow me with, in Romans 4 that says this. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to, not to that only which is of the law but to but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, you and me. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now you are now sons of Abraham. I am a son of Abraham by faith, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So here's why what the Lord had in mind with Isaac. Here is the idea that you, because of the faith of Abraham, he had a son. Because of the faith of Jesus Christ, he has children. You are these children. You are the children of faith. We are the children of Abraham by faith. If we believe in this God that walked with Abraham and that taught Abraham where to go, the division of his spirit, the division of flesh, showing him each aspect of how to walk in this life, we are also children of the faith, just like him, just like Abraham was. Now, this struggle between spirit and faith takes us to talk about justification and sanctification. There's a big misunderstanding about this because we use the term salvation. Now, salvation is very broad. But when you talk about justification and sanctification, you understand that what happened in that cross 2,000 years ago makes you a new creature. If you believe in Christ Jesus, if you died with him in that cross, you were a newborn child in the spirit. So you are now a child in the spirit. But then you have to be sanctified and to be set apart. The walk just starts when you dive in the cold water. Remember, Manu? When you went down in, uh, in, the, in that very cold lake, Lake Hawea? The walk just started there. That's the beginning. That's your justification now saying, go ahead, start the sanctification road. That's where Abraham started his walk. And took him many years, many, many wrong turns, many, many good turns, where the Lord changes his name from Abraham to Abraham, putting the H, which is the meaning of the breath of God or the Spirit of God. There's a transformation. There are promises. You have promises the Lord has given to you, maybe not only in the Bible, as many as we know, but maybe personally to you. Maybe the Lord had spoken things to you that nobody else knows. But the idea here is to say, look, you are walking in a sanctification road. And I want to go through a little bit more of this. Now, justification imputes righteousness to us by faith alone. Now, if you believe, today you're going to have a sup with, um, with the Lord. You're going to partake the bread and partake the cup, remembering Him. You do this by faith. If you don't believe in Jesus, don't do it, the Bible says. The Bible says it's actually bad for you if you do it. If you do uh, by faith, that is good spiritual um, uh, tradition, symbolism. But if you don't believe, this is not for you. We're going to read this later. Because justification will tell you you are good to go to heaven. You are good to go where you belong with the Father. Okay? And that's by faith, and that's a done deal. But how, God, how can God accept us while we are retain our sinful nature? I presume that you sin still, yeah? I sin too. How does God disengage us from that nature, from this flesh? How does God do that? How do you disengage of the pornography that you once had? How, you, how do you disengage... Of the betrayal, of the lying, of the work of your mind. That's why I had this guy pulling the, those chains of the heart and the brain. Because your brain is your reason and your reason is yours. It's not of the Lord. The Lord, when you are justified, gives you a new heart. He doesn't fix your heart. He gives you a new heart. The Lord is not on, on the fixing business. The Lord is on the, on the transformation business. And that's where sanctification comes in place. Now God does something to us so we can sin carelessly anymore. We cannot do that. We cannot just have two wives 
and lie to the other, to your original wife. Two women. You can't, you just, you just if you have Christ in your heart, you know, I hear uh, Pastor Edson always saying this, if you, if you are with the heart in Christ, you, you have the will of telling, uh, talking about Jesus to others. That's why in the end of the service, go talk to Edson. He's doing a, um, a group to go out and uh, street evangelize. Talk to him. He's creating this WhatsApp group. And um, um, you should. But if you are of Christ, you are motivated to do this. There are some aspects in your life that if you are walking with Christ as Abraham did, you can't just carelessly sin again. You will sin. You will make mistakes. We will do this stuff. We are still flesh. But the thing here is, there's something in us that makes us different. Something happens to our basic nature. Something happens to your inside. And you can still sin, but you cannot rest in it. You have something. The, some people say the Holy Spirit is bothering me. That's an unfortunate uh, statement. The Holy Spirit is really just condemning what you are doing. And it doesn't have anything to do with some vow that you make. But it's because of God has done it. It's not about you saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm from this religion now. Or I take the, I take the communion every Sunday. Or I, I pray 10 times a day or whatever. It's not about that. It's about something the Lord does in you as you allow. The walk with the Lord has to be willing. You cannot walk by force. Abraham made many mistakes. But as I said, he succeeded many times. Why? Because he was ready to learn. He was ready to give himself. He was ready to the point where in Genesis 22, he's, the Lord says, Go up, take the only son that you love and kill him. I want an offering. Sure thing. Let's go. So he does that. And it's, it's clear in the text as you read that he just he doesn't complain. He doesn't say anything. Why? Because he knows God now. Many years of experiences. He knows what the Lord wants. He knows what the Lord is about. And he knows that the Lord is not about killing Isaac. He just knows that. Now the world doesn't understand that. This is something that your friends, they are not Christians. Your family, they are not Christians. They don't have the spirit like you do. They don't understand it. And I'll go beyond this. They don't want to understand it. It's too hard. The fight between spirit and flesh is too hard. And by ourselves, we couldn't do it. And one of the tools to deal with this is coming here. I say this in my group, in the group that is in my house all, every Thursday. I need this here. This here for me is an instrument. It's a tool for me to keep on the way. I need this sanctification going on right here, right now. I need this. I need to be with you together. We need to be together. Without you and the Spirit of God sharpening you and another, it is impossible. That is why there is a, there is a church, which is the body of Christ, which is, has many, many gifts. And that is to edify one another. That is why we have sacraments. That is why we have Bible teaching. That is why we have prayer time. Because that's the, the sanctification road. And if you're not a, going for this, you might be justified. But there's, a, there's something going on with you. Now, it's completely contrary to what, what men think. Man doesn't want to worry about his pornographic movie. Men just want to continue to watch it. You see, back in the day when I had this uh, evil addiction in my life, I didn't know this. But I was sinning against my wife. I was betraying my wife with those videos and with this, all this rubbish. That is adult, adultery. I didn't know that. I only thought that I, if I had, was doing something evil was against, against me, maybe against God because he doesn't like it. I didn't know God. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. He could have just killed me in the spot if you wanted. But man, the mind of man doesn't care. The mind of man is not worried about the spirit. 
is those worry about the flesh, the pleasure that this or that makes me feel. Get this, 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, if you don't feel like being sanctified, being set apart to the Lord, you are a natural Christian. You are a natural person. And you won't, you, you won't understand, you won't discern things. You won't have the feeling of the Spirit. Because it's a spiritual discernment. That's why we have a sanctification road. So our natural man dies and our spiritual man rises up. Justification doesn't make you good. It makes you able. That's the thing. You are able to deal with whatever situation comes before you. Now justification does not make a person righteous. Abraham still made mistakes after God's promises. He still made mistakes. Abraham is, is not like Daniel or Joseph. That When we were studying, we said there's nothing evil to talk about this guy. Surely they made mistakes. Surely they were sinful people. But the, the, the mistakes of Abraham was well evident so you could learn today. So I can learn as I go through my sanctification when I read the Bible, when I meditate on it. When I spend time with the Lord. Justification means that before God's holy court, a lost sinner is now declared righteous. Justification only means that you are now, by God's grace, entering in heaven. That's it. It doesn't mean that you are sanctified and set apart to the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have reached the target that he called you to reach. You see, it took 10 chapters to Abraham to get there. How many chapters will it take for you to get there? God also has a plan in salvation. Get this one here. This is important. He not only declares a sinner righteous. You can find this in Romans 5. And if you have any questions, please come talk to me. But he also is going to make a sinner righteous. In Romans 6. He declares, but there is a process that can only be done with you walking hand by hand with the Lord. One process is different to the other. One process takes you to heaven. The other process takes you to the heart of the Father. You're not only the prodigal son that is eating food that swine ate. You are the son that is enjoying the good heart of the Father at home. You are the combination of both. When you get there, when you know and you learn with the Father what He is expecting for you, the whole deal makes sense. Why you come here, why you take communion, why you listening to this, why you love one another unconditionally. You know that you don't need to have a condition to love your brother. It's unconditional love. Agape. God will provide a way for a sinner to grow in grace and become sanctified. And that, 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 I love this word. To be set apart. Now when we are with the mind of men, we are not set apart. We're still in the world. But when you start thinking like God thinks, you start become set apart. And then your lies, your evil thoughts, those videos, those betrayals, your evil deeds, those things will diminish. Those things will stop. You will overcome any addiction you will have. Because it is the Lord who's making this by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Now Abraham's life testifies of it. Abraham's life is the example, is the peak of example of this. This guy had everything to go down the toilet. But the Lord said, no. I chose you. You didn't choose me. When Abraham was with his family, where he, wherever he was, in, the, in, in, in Babylon, in, in Ur, the Chaldea, he was a heathen man. 
his family believed in different gods and different things. God chose him. Abraham didn't choose God. He was not looking for anything. God was. God is choosing you. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. When he's in the cross, he's in the cross because he chose to be in the cross for you, not for you, not the other way around. And the, la- and the, and the life of Abraham here testify perfectly to understand that your walk with the Lord, your sanctification with the Lord needs to be upscaled, needs to be exercised and made new every day. There are tools for that. We are witnessing many tools here. One another is the deal here. Now, I'll give you this one before we finish. Justification doesn't make you good. It makes you able. If you want to make the difference, wherever you are, I'm sure you're in the same shoes as I am. I have issues with my family, wherever, wherever they are. I'm sure you have issues with yours. You know, I have a brother that doesn't talk to me. I have my mother that spent 30 years of her life in church. And she doesn't know God the way you do. My father is a theologian by degree. Pastor church for probably 18 years. I'm kidding to say because I'm his son. He doesn't know God the way you do. The walk of sanctification is your call. You become an Abraham, not an Abram. You become an Abraham with the Spirit of God in you if you want to. It's your call. You will probably take the Lord's Supper today if you want to, if you believe in Him. If you don't, you've got bigger bigger problems than just partake the wine and, and the bread. There is a hell. There is a heaven. There are demons. There are angels. It's a reality. And the world doesn't want to hear of it. The world doesn't want to know about it. Hopefully we all do. Yes? Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for our next podcast. You can also check our Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube channel. The All Nations Abba Church wishes you a great week in the presence of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you all. See you next time.